to be encouraged in your faith and strengthened as you serve the Lord. It was a big deal because if you haven't been in a very joyful mood lately, and we can all find ourselves there, but if you haven't been in a very joyful mood lately, we found that there are many, many reasons why true Christians should rejoice that they're a child of God. I mean, countless reasons. And today, the Apostle Paul still can't get over all the wonderful things that we have in Christ. If you don't know all the things that you have in Christ, you need to pay attention to this message today. Now, there are two words that jump off the page as the Apostle Paul rehearses the blessings that we receive as a direct result of the sacrifice of Christ. Those two words are found at the end of Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. I'm going to share that one verse with you first because it tells us that God demonstrates His own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's your two words. For us. Say it with me. For us. Say it again. For us. And because those two words are so important, I have entitled your message just for you. Just for you. Now let's go back and read the entire passage beginning in chapter 5. That's on page 1002 in the Bibles in front of you if you want to use those Bibles. But in Romans chapter 5 beginning in verse 6, the Apostle Paul is writing to believers. And he's writing to believers much like yourselves. And he writes, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved. That's good news for me and you. Saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received this reconciliation. Now friend, listen carefully. Before you can appreciate all the incredible things that God has done for you, before you can truly appreciate all that Christ has done for you, you've got to understand one thing. You've got to understand your condition before you were saved. And can I tell you this morning, it wasn't pretty. You see, before you were saved, you were in a hopeless condition. A hopeless condition. Paul begins by reminding us of our condition before we came to Christ, and that can be summed up in four ways. It can be summed up as without strength, ungodly, 
sinners, and enemies. That is the condition that all men and women who are lost in their sin find themselves in. That is how God views every man and every woman who is outside of a relationship with himself. Without strength. Ungodly. Sinners. And enemies. See, you need to know that as an unbeliever, you were weak. Verse 6 says you were without strength. This carries the idea of being utterly helpless. Utterly helpless with no means of escaping what was coming your way. The idea is a lost sinner stands before God with absolutely no ability to change what his ultimate destination would be. We were powerless to escape sin. We were powerless to escape death. We were powerless to escape hell. We were powerless to resist the devil. And we were powerless to please God in any way. As an unbeliever, you were weak. But as an unbeliever, you were also wicked. In verse 6 at the end, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. That word ungodly refers to people who live their lives as though God did not exist. You ever met somebody like that before? Ever met somebody who lived their lives like God didn't exist? Can I tell you that I've met a lot of Christians who live their lives like God did not exist? Friend, that's a problem. Because they seem helpless to change their sin nature. And they live their lives with a total disregard for God. A total disregard for God's law. A total disregard for God's will. And it just got to make you wonder. Are they really believers? Can you really be a believer in Christ? But live your life as though God does not exist. Now that word ungodly is a word you need to understand. Because ungodly does not mean that someone is wallowing in sin. In fact, an unsaved church member is just as godless as Adolf Hitler. Did you know that? If you're lost, you're lost. If you're unsaved, you're unsaved. It matters not. Those people who are ungodly, who are godless, they refuse to bow before the, before the Lord our God, and they basically set up themselves as their own God. They do what they please. They do what they want to do. They act and live as though God does not exist. And in essence, they become godless. As an unbeliever, you are weak without strength. As an unbeliever, you are wicked, ungodly. But the Bible also tells us that as an unbeliever, you are wayward. The Bible says in verse 8, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You need to understand that word sinner because it was all of us at one time. 
That word sinner means to miss the mark. It pictures a man or a woman trying and failing his or her way all through their life. No matter how good he tries to be, no matter how good she tries to be, she can never be good enough to get herself to God. No matter how close she comes, she will always miss the mark. He's a sinner. She's a sinner. And apart from Christ, she has no hope. But not only as an unbeliever were you weak and wicked and wayward, but the Bible also tells us that as an unbeliever, you were warlike. Look in verse 10. For when we were enemies, enemies, that word enemies simply means an adversary. Now the Bible describes somebody else as being the adversary. Does anybody know who that is? Shout it out if you know it. That's right. The Bible describes the devil, Satan, Lucifer, as being the adversary. But here the Bible describes you as an unbeliever, as an adversary. The Bible tells us that when we're lost, we're basically in the devil's camp. We're basically his pawn, his soldier, doing his will. We are opposed to God, and we're opposed to everything God stands for. And no matter how much you may talk about loving God, if you're not saved, friend, you are an enemy of God. I hope you see, friend, that apart from Jesus, you are totally helpless. I hope you see that apart from Jesus, you are totally hopeless. You need something. Something you can't produce. You need help. And it can only come from God. As unbelievers, we were weak and wicked, wayward and warlike. We were without strength, ungodly sinners and enemies of God. But thank God, there's more to the story than just our hopeless condition. Because there was also Christ's boundless compassion. Now, you need to know that the compassion of Christ, the compassion of our Lord Jesus, exceeds the love of man. Look there in verse 6 again. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. You see, there are a few people, there are a few people that you might die for. I want you to think for a moment. Who are the people you'd consider taking a bullet for? Who would those persons be for whom you would be willing to die? Maybe your mother and father? Perhaps a husband or wife? 
Maybe you might die for a son or a daughter. Maybe you can think of a short list of very close friends that you might die for. But if you really take the time to think it through, there are probably very few people for whom you would give your life without a moment's hesitation. Friend, imagine for a second that you're eating a meal in a restaurant with your son. And you're sitting there and you're enjoying a good steak and suddenly a gunman enters the restaurant and he begins shooting people all around you. What's your immediate response? Hide under a table? Try to get away? Run out the back door? Would you attempt to overcome the gunman? Or would you somehow find a way to protect your son? For a man named James Kidd, the answer was an easy one. You see, James Kidd was visiting his son over near Fort Bragg. And they went to a nearby Italian restaurant. And while they were eating, a gunman entered into the building and began firing at customers. And when it was all said and done, 11 people had died, including James Kidd. You see, when the shooting started, James used his own body to shield his son from the bullets, and he ended up dying from gunshot wounds to his back. Later, his wife would say, James was a good man. James was a good husband. He was a good father. I mean, he died saving his son. Need I say more? Maybe we've all heard stories of soldiers. Soldiers who gave their lives for their comrades. Maybe a grenade was thrown into the middle of a Marine patrol. And one of the soldiers, without even thinking twice, falls on the grenade. And he absorbs the blast with his body. He's killed. But the remainder of his patrol lives. These are two really great examples of rare courage and rare sacrifice. However, they have a very common thread. They have a common theme because both of those stories demonstrate the human capacity to give ourselves for those whom we love. Now, Family, friends, 
fellow soldiers. That's one thing. But can you imagine giving your life for your enemy? You see, friend, human love has limits. God's love doesn't. Verse 6 tells us this is exactly what Jesus did. He didn't die for the good ones. He died for the ungodly. The compassion of Christ far exceeds the love of man. But I also see, especially in verse 8, that the compassion of Christ exhibits the love of God. Let's read it again. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Did you notice how God put his love on display when Jesus died for people who were still sinners? While we were still weak, still wicked, still wayward, still warlike, Jesus died for us. He didn't die for his friends. He died for his enemies. He didn't die for those people who loved him. He died for those people who crucified him. He died for the ungodly. Now let's return to the restaurant over near Fort Bragg. Suppose if that young soldier was a total stranger. What if James Kidd protected a total stranger? What if instead of that grenade being thrown into a marine patrol, it was instead thrown into a group of Al-Qaeda soldiers who was guarding an American prisoner? Suppose that American prisoner, abused and beaten, scarred and disfigured, jumped on top of that grenade and gave his life to save his enemies. You'd say, Bill, people don't do that. And do you know what? You'd be right. Man doesn't do that. But God does. God does. That's exactly what happened at the top of Mount Calvary. Jesus died to save the sins, died to save the enemies from their sins. He threw himself onto the grenade of God's wrath. And when that grenade detonated, Jesus died for those who hated him. So listen, if there's any doubt in your mind about how much God loves you, then I want you to take a look back to what happened on top of Calvary Mountain. 
Because there never has been, nor will there ever be, a greater demonstration of God's love than that of a broken and dead Savior hanging on a bloody cross. We were in a hopeless condition. And that'd be the end of the story if it weren't for Christ's boundless compassion. But I want you to see this morning our matchless completion. Look in verse 9. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we now have received the reconciliation. See, these verses tell us many of the wonderful blessings that we receive as a result of the selfless sacrifice of Jesus. Because he loved me and you when we were unlovable, because he loved me and you when we were still enemies of God, We've received many, many blessings. You've received much that you need to know about this morning. Notice how that section begins. Much more than. There's much more than. See, in Christ, we're completely justified, according to verse 9. Basically, justified means that our position declares us not guilty. Even though we're sinners and every one of us deserve to go to hell, God is able through the blood of Jesus Christ to make us righteous. God sees us as we never have ever sinned before. He sees us as if never ever has the stain of sin been on our lives. He sees us like he sees his son, perfect and fully right with himself. We're completely justified. But in Christ, we're also completely saved from wrath. We are protected. Not only a, a dignified position, but we're protected. In Jesus, we're protected from the wrath of God. Simply stated, no child of God need ever fear that you're going to hell. Because you're protected by the blood of Christ. Jesus has already paid the price. He's already quenched the wrath of God for those who believe in him. So your position is declared not guilty and you're protected by the blood of Jesus Christ. But in Christ, we're also reconciled completely to God. Not only is our position declared not guilty, not only are we protected, but we also have peace with God. That's what reconciled means. Reconciled means you take a bunch of enemies... And you make them your friend. That's what reconciled means. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, we are no longer in opposition to God. I mean, God has called a truce. He's put away the battle flags. We're no longer fighting with God. Instead, we are at peace with God. Not only do you have a position, not guilty, 
Not only are you protected by the blood of Christ, not only do you have peace with God, but in Christ we're also saved by His life. We're preserved by the life that Jesus now lives in heaven. These words tell us that Jesus is alive today. He's alive this morning. How do you know, Bill? Because I talked to him this morning, amen? Did you? Because Jesus lives in heaven today, we have the absolute security as believers that nothing will ever come between you and the Father. Because Jesus is there, standing up on our behalf. It's as if Jesus is there saying, Father, he belongs to me. Father, she belongs to me. But not only are we preserved, but we can also praise God. In Christ, we can completely rejoice in God, praising God that we're saved and secure. Friend, if there was ever a reason to praise the Lord, it's been given to you today through His Word. Haven't been in a very joyful mood lately? Maybe you just ought to read these few verses that we shared this morning. I know these may be difficult days for you as a believer. I know the challenges in your life are real. I know what you're going through is difficult. You may feel like there's no reason for you to be praising God today. But if you're saved, there is still remarkable reasons in these passages that you need to hear. In Christ. We have a position of not guilty. We're protected by the blood of Jesus. We have peace with God. We're saved by the life he now lives. We can rejoice in God. And finally, in Christ, we have received the reconciliation. Friend, it is our privilege that God himself stepped out of the glory of heaven to atone our sins. To atone for our sins. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you and I can be at one. That's what atone means. At one with God the Father. I mean, think about this. You used to be an old hell-bound, lost sinner. But now you've been brought into a personal relationship with the God of heaven. And it's not just some any relationship. It's the relationship that a father has with a son. We enjoy a great privilege, friends. Let us not take it for granted. But you know, when we read this, we should stand in awe that God would do all these wonderful things for us. He did it just for us. Just for us. Our blessings, friend, are far greater than our minds can ever comprehend. So in light of these truths that I've shared with you this morning, where do you stand with God today? Are you saved? In light of these truths I've shared with you, are you as close to God as you need to be? Are you 
guilty of being in love with Jesus with every fiber of your being? Can I tell you today that if other things have started to crowd him out, why not come this morning and just let Jesus clear the clutter? Why not just come and let him take his rightful place in your heart? I was very touched this past Wednesday by a song that BYG was singing. Come to find out, it was on one of the recent editions of our Jesus Jam CD. And I was stoked about that because I couldn't wait to get to my car. I had to find it. And that song has a chorus in it that says, If you're in pain, he's the pain taker. If you're lost, he's the way maker. If you want freedom and saving, he's the prison-shaking savior. If you got chains, he's the chain breaker. Maybe you just need to come and just tell the Lord, I love you. Maybe you just need to come forward this morning and say, I just want to thank God today. I'm a born again child of God. I know it. I'm heaven bound. I'm glory bound. And I don't have to worry about that. But I just want to come forward. I just want to thank God today. Whatever we do, let's make sure that we're obedient to what God is telling us to do today. Can I pray for you? Our Father in heaven, we praise you. And thank you that you have demonstrated your love for us. And that while we were wretched, weak, ungodly, wicked, wayward human beings, Jesus Christ died for us.